Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Thank you very much and welcome everybody. Monday edition, Monday, July 16th. The two guys at a mic show here on the talkzone.com. Hope everybody out there had a phenomenal weekend. Sports and or otherwise, we'd be glad to be back at you here for a beautiful week of uh, sports. A little bit slow, a little bit slow in the sports world, but it's never that slow. Always things to talk about. Me and the big dog were both off Thursday and Friday's show, so it uh, might be old news, but we got a little catching up to do. We will state our opinions, whether you want to hear them or not, on the Penn State situations, Jerry Sandusky and company, not too much, but we'll uh, tap into that a little bit and, of course, take your comments. Cubs win, Cubs win, and more in the baseball world. All that in a little bit. Let's play a little bit of music, and we'll kick this particular sucker off. TalkZone.com to get your Monday morning started better than a fresh cup of hot, highly caffeinated coffee. Again, I hope everybody had a great weekend out there, and thank you so much for joining us. Two guys at a mic, Joe. Big Dog and the Coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock. Plenty to talk about in the world of sports, and I talked to Big Dog right before the show, and it sounds like, Big Dog, in the world of sports, you were uh, you're a little bit behind because... Yeah, and other things going on this weekend, so we got to catch you up a little bit. Is that the case? Yeah, because I I actually was participating as, as in a sport all weekend. So you know, sometimes when you have yep. that going on, you know, you can't actually watch sports. What particular sport were you uh, participating in? I. Uh, kayaking. Ah, okay. I thought it maybe it was like some special event. Yeah, I, don't, I, I know you don't remember that because I've invited you to come down, but you, you never have. So yeah, all right. I know so I, I can slip your mind. So you're talking your regular job, kayaking, uh, which keeps you in great shape, by the way. Rowing. I was talking to, um, I forget how it came up in conversation, but talking about different sports and, and uh, you know, rowers, similar to kayaking. But, you know, that's a competitive sport. I don't think kayaking, it's actually a collegiate sport, very big out east. But you have to be absolutely insane. I have the utmost respect for you. But you have to be completely nuts and insane to be a collegiate rower and to spend four or five hours a day rowing, either in an actual boat or one of those training devices they have, Big Doug. Uh, I guess my buddy Jeff, who lets me uh, get into his Olympic kayak, you, you probably have a, a, a different take on whether or not kayaking is a, you know, mm-hmm. a competitive sport considering it's in the Olympics. It is. Okay. Interesting. I did not know that. Summer Olympic sport. Has been for years and years wow. and years and years. Yeah, all right. No, no, it's actually a winter Olympic sport. So. <laughs> Smartass. <laughs> um, all right, cool. So we'll be. So you will and, be. Put- by the way, by the way, you only get a. You only get a good uh, workout kayaking if you don't do it properly. That's probably true. It's like most things. You know, the, if you know what really you're doing, true. it's a little bit easier. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, rowing, though, no matter what you do rowing, Oof. you're going to be completely freaking exhausted. But, like, yeah. kayaking, there's a trick to it. And you, if you're exhausted at the end of doing it, you didn't do it right. Mm-hmm. So, right. I mean, I just throw it out there. So, so you, with your experience in kayaking, now I'm assuming you'll be watching with particular interest in the uh, kayaking in the Olympics. No, I'll be watching the 100 meters, and that's about it. The 100-meter kayak? 100-meter dash. <laughs> Hundred meter kayak. That was you know, a race for four seconds. It'd be a hell of a sport, huh? Yeah. On your marks, get set, go! Splash, splash, splash! There it is. He crosses the finish line. By the way, the Olympics this year, big dog, are going to be for the first time ever. I don't know all the details, and I'm sure our media director David Olson will fill in the blanks over the next three weeks. But every single event, I mean, tennis, the first round of the tennis, every single. Event, even the preliminaries will be available for the first time ever via live feed on whatever the uh, website would be. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm surprised. I thought they actually that has happened before, but I guess there was probably a couple things that yes. didn't show, as in like the preliminaries yeah. that you're talking about. Okay. But you ha- you have to sign up for it beforehand. I read that, and I don't know if that means a fee or it did say that you're going to have to register beforehand. So we'll have to get more details on that because the Olympic Games are closing in here. You know, I'd have no problem if you have to pay for that. If you're getting every single thing, it would definitely be worth it, especially if you're mm-hmm. somebody that, uh, you know, has like uh, a girl doing that, uh, the gymnastics with the ball or whatever the heck that stuff is called. Yep. And you can't afford to go to London. And you're like, okay, well, it's not going to be shown on television, but at least mm-hmm. I can pay 50 bucks to watch her do it. So that's actually mm-hmm. really cool. All right. Well, we'll get more details on that, but the Olympic Games are. Uh... Certainly coming up, David Olson, I'm not sure, but the TalkZone.com, two guys and a mic. Will we have a, a reporter? Any representatives over in a beautiful London, England reporting to us? We will, but they don't speak English. <laughs> Joel, that sounds like our old radio show. You, you would think in the London Olympics we might get somebody to speak English, but that's, that's too bad. <laughs> Boy, I knew budgets were tough, but uh, you remember back on our radio show, we had a guy call in, gave phenomenal reports. Unbelievable, up close and personal. It was in Russian, and me and Joel couldn't understand a single thing. No, actually, it was in uh, it was in Yugoslav, Yugoslavic, <laughs> whatever. What was it, Sergio or something like that? No, it was Milan. <laughs> I forgot about Milan. He was our Ser- our Serbian intern. Yes. 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 How he can was I... Yes. You know, oh. it's funny as I I, I called the show to, to get on and. David Olson, I'm like waiting to ask him, you know, what's up with the baby? And said he asked me, you know, how was your weekend? I've worked all weekend. How was your weekend? Yep. He cut me out and just puts me on there. So I'm assuming that no baby on the way yet. I mean, what is this, a ten and a half, half month pregnancy? Seriously. <laughs> no, she's two days overdue. It was due, it was, oh, okay. it was due yesterday. Which is a shocker because the first two came like two weeks early. Yeah, yeah. So, so, this, if, he, so it's, if it doesn't happen by then, it's happening next Monday. Because, I mean, seriously, if it isn't by next Monday, the kid's going to have a full head of hair already back, (laughs) ready. You know, he has to wash his face because of the acne. I mean, seriously, if he's in there any longer, he's going to be a teenager. (laughs) Big Dog, I thought I I threw out the idea. I was rudely shot down, but I threw out the idea of you and me doing a remote from the inducing. I thought it would be, uh, if nothing else, good for ratings. David Olson did not take very long in responding with a, uh, as he is wont to do in a very succinct no. 
the, uh, he, he, it's not because it would be uncomfortable for his wife and, and himself. It's the fact that, do you know how many careers have been ruined by people showing operations or pregnancies? Ask Tom Green how the, the removal of a testicle went yeah. for his career. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to do, uh, you know, up close and personal, but I thought we could be in the room giving, you know, some report, entertaining a little bit, keeping things uh, light and loose. I thought it would be uh, something different, something new. But, again, very few people can give you a definitive no as convincingly and succinctly as producer David Olson. And he does it early and often for us, I might add. But, I don't know. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see down the road. You know, hopefully uh, the, the the baby will be here, but this guy's being very, very patient. Uh, speaking of being very, very patient, that's what our fans have been. We were off on Thursday and Friday show, Big Dog, and I do apologize for that. And I hesitate, and if you want to say no, feel free to do so, but I had some thoughts on the Penn State situation. I know it's been hashed over a lot, but uh, I wanted to give you a chance to express a por favor, and I had a few thoughts to get. I don't want to spend too much time on it. By the way, we got a new phone number here. People are trying to call on the uh, old phone number, not working. And when I say new phone number, temporary. Apparently we had some uh, international foreign sabotage over the weekend. But 847-470-1114 is our temporary phone number. So if you want to dial it up and uh, talk a little sports with the dog and coach, 847-470-1114. Big dog, and again, feel free to, to nix it, but to any reactions uh, ex post facto on the Jerry Sandusky, Penn State, Joe Paterno. Uh, yeah, Coach, and I'm, I'm truly disgusted by this whole situation, and I didn't want to get into the whole trial part of it. It's all been settled. Yeah, I'll talk about this, okay? I I looked up to Joe Paterno so much my whole life, I can't even explain it. And the simple fact that in I've, I remember so many coaches that would always tell me all the time, I've had some phenomenal coaches, Hall of Fame coaches, and one of them was Pete Ventrilli, and Joe Paterno was like a god to him. And we ran all the – we ran drills like Penn State, all this other stuff, so I've always had like this connection with Paterno during my whole entire football career. And I – and – Joe Paterno was always like the type of guy who would say stuff like, you always do the little things, and you have to do what's right when people aren't looking. He always said that. You have to do what's right when people aren't looking. Mm -hmm. Well, in the most important decision of his life, and you could say, oh, he didn't know it was the most important decision of his life at the time. I don't care. He is a man in charge, and boys were being raped, okay? In the most important decision of his life, he turned a blind eye to it, and not only turned a blind eye to it, made it a point to make sure it was not known by anybody. You know what I mean? It's and you could say, oh, he passed the he passed the, the OR to people that were higher than him. I don't care if the paper trail says that Tim Curley and so and so technically had a higher job than the football coach at Penn State. Nobody in the state of Pennsylvania had more power at Penn State. At Penn State University, especially the football program, especially the football program, mm-hmm. and Bill Paterno. And coach, all I can tell you about this is I'm not a Penn State fan. I'm an Illinois fan. Okay. But I've always rooted for Penn State when they're not playing anybody but Illinois. And I've always wanted Joe Paterno to break the record and all that. Now I'm like disgusted. I am so like, I, I didn't even know what to say. The fact that all these years, how many other football coaches go around and say, do the little things right? Do the right thing when people aren't looking. Oh, okay, nobody's looking. Well, I'm going to pay this kid $50,000. Oh, my player is accused of rape. 
oh, well, you know what? That girl probably dressed provocatively and, and uh, was drunk and let him on. No, no, this stuff has to stop, okay? It has to stop. And the simple fact that it's Joe Paterno is one of the most sad and devastating things that's ever happened to college football. Obviously, college football can rebound. Look at all the crazy things that has happened. But if coaches and athletic directors on every single level from the NFL down to Pee Wee football have not learned a lesson from this, it'll be really, really sad. And, and Coach, I don't care what anybody says, if you don't think Joe Paterno's legacy is tarnished, all I can say is he did not act the way he taught all these young men to act throughout the whole entire, what was it, 66 years that he was at at, uh, Penn State, Mm -hmm. 41 years as the head coach or whatever, 46 years as the head coach. He did not act the way that he taught these kids all this thing, all these times, and it's really sad. No, I'm not ripping anybody. It's not like Ron Zook, you know, was like, you find out, oh, he turned a blind eye to it. And that would have been disgusting, too. It would have been disgusting, too. But we're talking about a guy who made his legacy on supposedly doing the right thing. It's, it, it's really, really sad. And every single coach out there better realize, you know what? It's better to get slapped in the face to find out you had a pedophile in your, in your coaching staff and get rid of him than it is 10 years later to find out you didn't get rid of him mm-hmm. and four to five more boys were raped by the, by the villain. You know, mm-hmm. it's, and, Coach, you know what they should do with that statue? Should they remove it? No, they shouldn't remove it. They should symbolically prove a point and turn it around and yeah. have it face the wall. Yeah. So that way you can say Joe Paterno yeah. turned a blind eye to I, something. I read that. Had the statue oh, turned, so I was already. looking away. Somebody said that already? I'm sorry. I, I haven't paid no attention. <laughs> I've read no sports. Yeah. I'm sorry that I used somebody else's idea, but I did think of that. Yeah. I, I like the word you around. used, by the way. I like You said tarnished. And I kind of agree with that, but there's a lot of people out there saying ruined. And I agree with you, tarnished. I don't agree with the ruined part. And it bothered me a little bit, I'll be honest with you. They got a slightly different take. And one thing that bothered me over the course of three or four days is every time Dick, Harry, Sally, Mary, out on sports radio, the callers, the converse, everybody, as if like almost taking it out on Penn State and Joe Paterno, uh, you know, whatever little frustrations they have in their life and just firing on them. And, you know, everybody is, you know, claiming to be the, the high standard moral standard. I understand it was a horrible, horrible thing, but it was Jerry Sandusky that did it. It was not Joe Paterno. And real quick, Dave, if, I don't know if we can get it. Look up Jay Paterno's, their latest response. There were some interesting quotes in there from the Paterno family after it came out. And I thought there were some interesting things on there, and one of which said, Big Dog, uh, if anybody out there thinks that Joe Paterno knowingly harbored a sex offender, anybody that knew Joe Paterno throughout his life, you know, now he might have been naive in the first situation and maybe pursued it further, but anybody that knowingly, or anybody that thinks that Joe Paterno knowingly harbored a sex offender for 12 years in his Penn State program, does not know Joe, and is absolutely wrong. And I hate to say it, I tend to agree with that statement. Coach, I, I'm going to have to disagree with you because so you, you quite simply, I'm not, I didn't, I'm, not, I'm not making a big deal out of this, but quite simply, Mike McCreary went to Joe Paterno and said, I saw Jerry Sandusky raping a boy in our shower. Okay, so if you're trying to tell me he didn't harbor a sex offender, 
then Mike McCreary is lying that he said to Joe Paterno, Mike McCreary's dad has already come out and been like, the first thing we did was say, go to coach. Why would, why would Mike McCreary's dad lie about what he told his son to do? And why would Mike McCreary lie about telling Joe Paterno? Why would he drag the guy that gave him his break in coaching and all this mm-hmm. other stuff? It, it would not happen, coach. So please don't use that as an example. He harbored well, a sex offender. Well, as it plays out in real life, there is a scenario, and it's interesting they mentioned this one event, but but very little specifics. Now, I didn't read the whole Lewis Free report. Uh, of course they don't. All they say is Joe wants the truth to come out. He wants the truth. Oh, he does? Okay, really? Well, then why didn't he want the truth to come out uh, 10 years earlier when uh, he found out that a boy got raped in his, in his football building? Af- after that one incident, I did not hear and or read about any situations where Joe Paterno saw Jerry Tandusky on the road with young kids, knew that they were in his hotel room, straight, you know, kids that he might not have known, that Jerry Sandusky was in the locker. I read nothing about further incidents, no specificity there. I found that curious. It was all based on that one event, and, and I'm think in, in real life situation, it's possible Joe Pond, his age and lack of knowledge, he clearly, like he said, he should have done more and didn't handle it well, but there might not have been criminal intent, the type of criminal intent where you sit at home and in your mind you're saying, you know what, he could be doing it to other kids. Ooh, but I can't say anything because I don't want to hurt our program. That's criminal, and I don't think that went through the head of Joe Paterno. And I might be the only guy. Yeah, I don't know, Coach, but well, I, I don't I know I if you don't know. I understand. I understand what you're saying. Okay, but the simple fact is. Everything that I understand what you're saying, but rethink what you just said to me. Joe Paterno doesn't realize that Jerry Sandusky has a what do you call it, a, a, a so-called uh, like a charity yeah, that involves nothing but young men. Okay, so don't tell me that he doesn't realize that he's with young kids all the time, young boys all the time. Well, but you and, know, it, it's, and, it was and, a well-respected charity at the time. The other quote from Jay Paterno's family is Jerry Sandusky was a master, master deceiver. He deceived his coaches, he deceived his players, he deceived Second Mile Charity, he deceived his wife and his family, and the kids were, well, maybe he didn't deceive the kids who were in the charity that much. So, so you know, Sandusky had that persona, and then there was the other part of him, and he was a master deceiver. So it is possible that uh, Paterno and many others thought it was a, you know, a great charity, and, and I hate to say it, but the charity did some wonderful things. Yeah, it did. You know, it, it has. You know, I, I guess it did. That's what some people say. But is it worth it? Obviously not. Obviously not. Seven boys being raped. No. So obviously they didn't do that wonderful thing. A, so, de- and how, you know. a definitive no to that. It is not worth it. And obviously, I'm not trying to defend. It's a horrible, horrible, horrible crime. I just think there's a lot of little 25 and 28 year olds and 32 year olds out there, little media wannabes that are just firing, firing. And, and then the other thing I don't like is uh, abolish the program. The whole program should be canceled. Every single buddy out there, you know, shut up. Don't make the the student body that is there now, that is in college for the only four years of their life and part of the college experience is football games on Saturday. The players who have busted their butt, who have dedicated, and again, you know, they don't have ten years. It's four years in their life. Maybe the juniors and seniors, it's their one or two years to start and play college football. Maybe a pro career riding on it. And because of what happened with four or five people, you're going to say abolish the program? 
Ah, I heard that so many times over the weekend, Big Dog. It was brutal. Those people are, are, are just trying to, like, stir the pot and, and try to act like they're uh, above yes. uh, what you call it, reproach and all that other stuff. That That's ridiculous. To punish, to punish uh, 100 kids that had nothing to do yep. with Jerry Sandusky, okay? But mo- it, most it, people it, feel that way, Big Dog. Yeah, hasn't everybody been fired and, and removed from this situation? They fired Paterno, which was the right thing to do. Yep. Okay, they they Curly and all those other guys are gone. So what are you going to fire? Are you going to say, uh, "Sorry, you eighteen year old, you decided to go to Penn State, but you're not going to get to play college football anymore because, uh, mm-hmm. or you have to go somewhere else because we decided that since Penn State's name's attached to it, we're going to hurt you." I mean, that's the. Punishing people that had nothing to do with it is not going to take away the fact that at least eleven boys were raped. Mm-hmm. So you know that's it's. I, I I completely agree with you on that. Abolishing the football program is it's not like it's the, it's a current situation. It's not like all of a sudden the whole coaching staff knew and all the. If it, if it was like that, I'd be like, all right, these players are in an unfortunate unfortunate situation. They better be able to transfer. It's not like that. This happened ten years mm-hmm. ago, and everybody's removed. I mean, that'd be ridiculous. It'd be like, it would be like somebody finding out that my dad did something wrong and be like, you know what? We're going to punish you, though. Mm-hmm. Really? I didn't benefit at all from it. You know, it, it wouldn't make any sense. So. That's a good point. You think any, um, you think any media reporters around the team suspected and it might come out later? They no, could have been, no, could have been, no? No, absolutely not. Uh, I'm not saying that reporters are truthful or not, but there's no way that they would hold it in. You know what? Back in the back in the early 1960s when JFK was banging every single girl he can possibly get his hands on and they <laughs> kept it hush-hush, yeah. is a little different than the way news is covered today, let's face it, and also By the way, uh, his, circumstances. As okay. a sidelight, his relationship with Phyllis Diller was strictly platonic. Yeah, but it's too bad his, his relationship with Judy Exner Campbell, who was Sam Giancana's mistress, wasn't. Slightly more than platonic. You're correct. Continue. So, uh, but I, I lost track of what I was saying. I'm, yeah. I'm Don't abolish the program, okay? Mm-hmm. That's not, seriously, I, I mean that. Don't abolish the program. And what they do at the statute, that's up to Penn State. That's up to Penn State. But I, honestly, I... I I don't think the way I look at Paterno now, as opposed to before, is I mean, I have 180 degrees different, just like I'm sure everybody else is. But and these people that hang on, Joe didn't know. Joe is a god. No, Joe isn't a god. Joe is one of these people that you realize was nothing that you thought he was. And I hate well, for all these that's, people. That's not true either. Uh, go coach. Nothing the that whole, you thought your, he your was. Your philosophy is you. You have to do what's right when people aren't looking, and yep. you turn a blind eye to a pedophile. Well, again, now we're, we're we're going back to the situation. Did Joe Paterno knowingly, knowingly harbor a beyond the one incident which he could have gone foggy on? Could have, you know? Did he suspect along the way and keep it quiet? And I and I tend to agree, and I'm not saying he couldn't have done more. And, and I disagree with you. It doesn't ruin everything he did before. You talked to every player, just about every player that played for Joe Paterno, character and doing the right things was absolutely a major part of what yeah. he taught. I don't yeah. think that was fake. Was. I was. think he believed it. It was. You're exactly right, Coach. That's why it's so disgusting. That is exactly why it is 
so bad and so okay. shocked. That is my point. Okay. The guy that preached character is the one that when he finds out that his uh, one of his assistant coaches is raping a boy, doesn't do everything he possibly can to find out what's happened. All I know is this, is this. If you use the excuse, I was foggy and didn't know really what was going on. Well, when I hear a boy getting raped, uh, I don't understand. Uh, okay, whatever. Then you know what? I, those type of people shouldn't be procreating, okay? If you can't understand what the situation is, I, I, honestly, Coach, I, mm-hmm. there's there's nothing that you can tell me. He was told what happened, okay? And the whole, and McCreary even talked about it. Because when, when uh, you know what I find funny? This is, this is, uh, I don't think that was the first time. You, you have this gut feeling, oh, he just, he, it was, he was foggy. Well, McCreary said this. If you remember correctly, Coach, if you remember correctly, what did Jerry Sandusky say? Oh, I, w- I forget the name of it. I was just hugging and touching, and there was like, he's Tom Fleury or something. I forget yep. the word he said. Yep. Well, when, when Paterno was told by McCreary, McCreary said, Paterno said, well, are you sure he wasn't just hugging and touching and, and said exactly what Sandusky had said. So it's like, it's almost like Paterno had talked to Sandusky already, like it had been brought to him before because he used exactly the same word Sandusky used. Mm-hmm. He knew, Coach, he knew, and he was too worried about the whole Penn State legacy. Mm-hmm. He wanted to keep it hush-hush. If, I, I, you have your gut feeling. I okay. have my gut feeling. If, if if that's the case, at all that time, he he's suspecting that other kids be getting could be getting abused. But I don't want to say anything because he's my good friend, and I don't want to ruin our the uh, reputation of our football program. That yeah, and, is, and, and, is know, more and, than and, inexcusable. Coach. That's criminal. If that was the thought process, it's absolutely criminal. And, and before before I, I, I mislead somebody on on film. It might, you're exactly right. It might not be the safest football program. He might have been worried about a close friend of his that he didn't want to throw either under the bus. Yeah, either way. Either so it way. might not be like, oh, the Penn yeah. State program. He might be like, yeah. oh, no, this guy that I was so close to yep. has a serious problem. Yep. He might have confronted Sandusky because he used the same words as Sandusky. Don't forget, he used exactly the same. I don't remember mm-hmm. it, but when I heard McCreary say what Paterno said, when they, I was like, that's what Sandusky mm-hmm. said. It was, you know, and I was, at, and then all of a sudden, so when it's like he was defending Sandusky, like had he been told before, and goes to McCreary and used the same exact statements that Sandusky had used. Mm-hmm. Right. I, and, and let's face it, this had been going on for years before this. I think Paterno knew before McCreary even told him. Wow. Honestly, deep down, right. I really believe. Well, I, well, why, I'm... why did he? Why did Sandusky all of a sudden just walk away from the program in 1998? Oh, that's right, because somebody accused him of uh, sexual crimes four years before Mike McCreary ever uh, was uh, told. Don't tell me Paterno, the first time Paterno ever heard of this was when McCreary told him four years later. Sandusky walked away in 1998. Somebody accused him of uh, sexual misconduct. Mm-hmm. That's what everybody blows that over, because the, the concrete evidence is McCreary being like, yes, I saw it and I told Paterno. Well, there's no concrete evidence that Paterno was told before then. Mm-hmm. But why did Sandusky resign? Like right in the he was he was like 55 years old when he resigned. And obviously, everybody knows at Penn State you don't resign as a, a coach, whether it's an assistant coach or head coach, until you're 97 years old. Okay. I mean, they had one of the best defenses in the country the year he resigned. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, I, I there's 
I, first of all, I know that he knew he was a pedophile. And no, I, you don't know and it. My gut feeling, my, I obviously knew because McCrary told him no, in November no, of no, 2002. Yes, he did. No, well, you, well, now you're lying, coach. Now you're getting all. You're, lying. you're getting all worked up because earlier. No, 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 you, but, you're, you're but earlier you said know. you didn't know, and now you're getting a little worked up and said you know for sure. You don't no, know no, no, for I sure. Say, no, 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 hold on, hold on. I didn't say I know for sure. On oh, on the before, but I know for sure that Mike McCrary told him he was a pedophile. Yes, well, we all know that. Well, no, not that I, he was I, a pedophile. Like Mike, Mike, Mike McCreary told him uh, he didn't say yeah, he, was he was a pedophile. Boy in the shower. Mike the McCreary explained the event to Joe Paterno, who then related on to others. By the way, when I made my comment that I agree with you, I said if, if Joe Paterno knowingly, and I still have some questions, and again, I go back to his son Jay Paterno's statement, where, uh, David, you weren't able to get that up there? There was like three different paragraphs. But I know one of them, and the part of it that, that kind of hit me is anybody out there who knows Joe Paterno, who thinks that he knowingly harbored a sex offender, a child molester, for 10 or 12 years in the program is absolutely incorrect and does not know Joe Paterno. I tend to agree with that. So, But but if if he did, then there's absolutely no excuse. And, in fact, uh, it's, it's criminal, absolutely criminal. And I still am going to go back, big dog. You talked about the incident from four years ago, and you kind of flatly said uh, no chance a reporter or any media member. And I think that's how you got started talking about JFK. I think it's going to come out. I believe maybe there were some media people who were also intimidated by the whole Penn State program. I'm predicting that there were some media people, some reporters close to the program that maybe suspected, could have been a little bit more proactive and, uh, and did nothing as well. That may come out. So you're going to hedge your bet. Uh, what do you mean? Because, like, now you're saying, like, almost everybody knew no, at this point. No, no, no. I said a couple. I think there okay. may have been a couple of reporters. I'd be surprised. You know, here's the media firing on Penn State. I think uh, down the road in the not-too-distant future, there's going to be a little firing on some media people there, too. That's my prediction. I find it hard to believe. that, they, Especially, I forgot, and you're exactly right, even before, the Mike McCreary uh, horrible discovery. Mm-hmm. He had left the program because of some allegation that was never confirmed, right? But he yes, it was it was never confirmed, yeah. and instead of like facing it, he just resigned. And it was and and uh, I don't know Paterno that they never answer that question. You know why did he resign? Oh, you know that they, they like they deflected and they're like and, mm-hmm. and and honestly, coach, so my gut feeling is just because he used the same terminology as uh, I forgot what I forget. Tom, something play. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, horse play. You sure it wasn't a horse play? Yeah, horse play. Just tickling and, yep. and hugging. Some That's exactly the, what Sandusky said. It was just horse play. I was some tickling of the most and hugging these boys. Ridiculous comments. And then why comments. did McCurdle use the same phrase? He used the same phrase when McCurry confronted him. Coach. It's interesting. That's, that's a little. That's a well, very, maybe that very co- that goes thing. back to uh, what the Paterno family said. Jerry Sandusky was the master deceiver. Okay, well, so, okay, so at that point, so he's been told to resign from the from the program. Now you get four years later, you know, so you just you got to do more than just tell Tim Curley mm-hmm. that there's a pedophile on our campus. Well, it's a great point, by the way, because I had forgotten about the '98 thing, and I don't know. I listened to you know a fair amount of talk, and not many people talking about it. that. Makes a difference. Totally that makes a huge difference because there, there there was an incident before that Joe Paterno had to be aware of. Maybe he 
could deny it, but at least he knew that Sandusky was alleged. Now he gets this uh, knock on the door or call from Mike McCreary. Not out of the blue, but that adds to the first thing. I forgot about the 98 incident and the fact that Sandusky had already resigned. And if and if anybody out there does not think that Joe Paterno, who is as powerful as the governor in the state of Pennsylvania, didn't know about his defensive coordinator's sexual uh, abuse allegations in 1998, and that was the reason why he resigned, come on, yeah. come on, allegations. I, I have I have a, a whole river to sell you in the yeah. city of Chicago. Okay, he knew he he knew about the allegations, but there there is the possibility that he selectively put them off to the side, and again did okay. not. I go back to those words. No, no, no. For the 98 ones, yes, I totally agree. I, 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 can, to- I can totally understand. Mm-hmm. Allegations and the Sandusky's like, you know what? I'm, I have nothing to do with this. I, I, I don't want to hurt the program. I'll, I'll retire. And then, mm-hmm. and then it was, and then he can say, yeah, it was, uh, horse play and t- hugging and tickling. And then Paterno's like, okay, leave the program. Okay. You get that straightened out. I can mm-hmm. see that happening, coach. And I wouldn't have a problem with that. And then four years later, yeah. It happens, and you still have the guy. You can say, "Oh yeah, we banned him from from uh, doing stuff with children in the football office," but he was still allowed on campus, coach. You, and and you know, and things were pushed forward with this. That's mm-hmm. that. It's it's. Oh. All right, I apologize. I, I really by the way, during during the discussion, we did not put our phone number out, and again, a new phone number temporarily here. At the two guys in a mic show, you got some thoughts with the coach and the big dog. I know we're digging up a little bit of old news, but uh, both myself and the dog were off Thursday and Friday, so we're uh, unfortunately revisiting the ugly incident of Penn State. I did have a slightly different twist. I'm not just making my opinion up just to create a little stir here. That's honestly how I felt when I listened to all the 28 year old wannabes, uh, you know, in the in the sports media world firing on the. Um, you know, Penn State and trying to cancel the whole program. Our phone number here, 847-470-1114. If you want to call in, we'd love to hear from you. 847-470-1114. Two guys at a mic, talkzone.com. Dog, final comments from you, and then I do want to move on to uh, a little more more pleasant news. Uh, I, I'm just, to me, I it's already tarnished. Joe Paterno's legacy is already tarnished. There's nothing greater at Penn State University than Joe Paterno's legacy. That might sound crazy, but in the whole, you ask every single American, what do you think about Penn State? If you would ask them a year ago, the first thing that would come to their mind is Joe Paterno. Well, they don't need to be punished anymore, okay? They really don't. They don't need to pull the football program. The people that were involved are gone. So there's no, they, this, this university has taken punishment enough. And, and quite honestly, I, I can't imagine a, like a, a good football player going there. Might as well keep the program around. So if you really, if you really want to punish them, keep their football program around because this year they're going six and six. Next year they'll be four and eight and three years from now because they're not getting a recruit again for years, coach. For years. You, if you really, so all those people that are out there saying punish the, you know, punish the guys now. Well, you know what? They're going to be punished. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they deserve to be, but so, but that's, there's don't don't cancel the program. There's no reason to cancel it. Mm-hmm. All right. When you do that to SMU, when you cancel the SMU program, remember in the in the 1980s. Yep. Uh, you know, paying college football players to play is not even in the same stratus. Nowhere near what uh, being a pedophile is. Okay. But the truth of the matter is, when they canceled that program, everybody on that team was getting paid. So I could care less. 
they they the right people got punished. Okay. Oh, you want to be you want to play for a coach that pays you? You want to get fifty thousand dollars to play football? Well, guess what? You lost your year of eligibility, and even when you transfer, you're going to lose a year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. That's a lot uh, getting on with your life. That makes sense to me, coach. The punished kid that had nothing to do with it, yeah. even though the crime is it's a one percent compared to a hundred percent, the and completely heinous. There's no reason to punish the Penn State uh, mm-hmm. people there right now. All right, well put, my friend. Well put, and I completely agree with the uh, the final part of your statement. No question about it. Two guys at a mic talk zone dot com eight four seven four seven zero triple one four. New phone number temporarily here on the show talkzone dot com. Plenty of stuff happening over the weekend. Don't forget we got the Olympics coming up. But uh, real quick at the baseball world, big dog, to uh, present a little bit more positive stuff and uh, get off the Penn State situation here for just a bit. And I know you were busy. You were out on the uh, Chicago River most of the weekend. But while you were, while you were uh, kayaking, my friend, and keeping people safe, your Chicago Cubs were doing a heck of a job. Sweep the Arizona Diamondbacks in the last 16 games. They have the best Record in all of baseball. I repeat, the Chicago Cubs over a 16-game period, best record in baseball. They are red hot dog. Garza got the job done yesterday. Yeah, you know what? I knew this was going to be a really, really rough season for the Cubs, uh, but they have a good starting pitching staff. And you know, when Soriano hits, which is you know on and off, you know they're not that bad of a club. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, getting some relief pitching. You know, all year long we've liked Sean Camp, and Ooh. our problem was, why do you use Sean Camp every single day? Swim, you're killing this kid. But oh my goodness, he's one of the bright spots of, uh, yeah, well, of, of the season so far. You know, one of the reasons they can throw him, and um, I think it was the radio announcers I was listening to yesterday. Pat Hughes brought it up, and he said the reason you can put him out there all the time because he throws strikes. He Good pitches point. an inning and pitches, you know, thirteen pitches. Carlos Marmol comes out and pitches 30 pitch. So when you when you throw strikes and get an inning over quick, he can get out there every day. No, you're, you're, that's you're exactly right. You know, you're a sinker ball pitcher. He doesn't rely on blowing people away. He relies on control and putting them where he wants to. Go ahead, hit it. Go ahead, and you're going to put it on the ground. And trust me, with the infield defense that the Cubs have, they have a really good infield defense. They're you know you'll be in good shape. Mm-hmm. So it's philosophy. I'm yes. with you on that. It makes sense. Yesterday's pitching and Pat Hughes talking about and Keith Moreland. Only the amazing in 47 innings, Sean Camp has only given up three home runs. Talking just like you were about the sinker ball and the ground ball. Absolutely amazing. Only three home runs in 47. There's a hit back over the left field wall. It is gone. <laughs> <laughs> right in the middle of his statement, it was home run number four. But, uh, you know, the other thing about not walking people is when they do hit a home run, doesn't hurt you that much. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. All right. So uh, 12 hours. Right, now, here's the issue I want to bring up. And, David Olson, I'll throw this out to you, too. Cub fans that are listening, 847-470-1114. And, again, I'm not putting this out to be a troublemaker. But let's just say the Cubs continue to win here. And all of a sudden, this team is, you know, starting to blossom. I mean, this is a 16-game period. We're not going to get, you know, carried away. But if it goes for six, seven, eight more games, you know, now everybody knows it's a logical thing for the Cubs to trade their veteran players away and start building for the future. That's the Theo and Jed way. Is there any thought processes to holding up on that? If all of a sudden they're, you know, for another week or two, they continue to win, Big Dog? Uh, well, if they sweep. Uh... Twice the Reds and the Pirates yeah. during that time, or, maybe. Let's say five out of but six. No, 
No, no, no, absolutely not. I have already, I, I do something called This Year Man. If you go to thisyearman.com, you can actually read an article I wrote about this. And I even said, the worst thing that could happen to the Cubs is yep. for them to get hot in late <laughs> July. And uh, all of a sudden, everybody being like, oh, you can't trade away these. The reason why the Cubs have not, the reason, if, if people are actually hoping that the Cubs can go 82 and 80 this year, just to have a winning record, you know, and not trade away Dempster and get some starters and, trade away anybody else that they can possibly get. This is the reason why the Cubs haven't won the World Series in 104 years. I don't. I will trade away 15 wins this year for one win in the 2013 season. I want yeah. the Cubs to win as many games as possible this Lo- year. Log- logically, you're correct. Emotionally, I struggle with it a little bit. Am, am I allowed to do this? No, no, go ahead, but the reason why the Cubs have sucked forever is because they've never... They've never sold off all their veteran players on the trade deadline for young prospects. And, Coach, I want you to do something for me. I want you to name the Cubs pitching prospects for the future. Name them. Down on the farm? Down on the farm. Do you know who the top pitcher is in in their farm system right now? You know, the three or four names you hear mentioned most, and none of them are pitchers, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah, Yeah, Casey Coleman is their top pitcher in, in the minor leagues right now. Casey Coleman's never going to be anything more than a fifth starter in the major leagues. The Cubs' future is dependent on getting starting pitching with a trade of Dempster and or whoever else they can get rid of at this point. Mm-hmm. Folks, it's really nice that they're finally starting to play some good ball, and I love Ryan Dempster, and if Ryan Dempster wants to restart with the Cubs and play for them in 2013, I actually would be for it. But if anybody thinks that them finishing 82 and 80 and keeping the team together just to try to have a decent second half, I, I, please, everybody, it's the now, now, now mentality in America that is that has destroyed the Chicago Cubs. Mm-hmm. I, I swear to you, everybody is like, I'm, I, I, I'm sick of patience. I've waited 104 years. Blah, blah. Well, this team isn't going to win the World Series this year, folks. I hate to tell you, they're not. And this is the best year that if there was ever a year the Cubs could have a year where they could sell off players, it would be this year. Because technically, and this is no joke, only three teams in the American League don't have a shot, and only two teams in the National League don't have a shot. 25 teams in baseball think they still have a shot at the playoffs, Coach. Normally it's only like 15 at this point. That means... You have 25 teams trading with five teams instead of 15 teams trading with 15 teams. The Cubs could get a freaking bonanza. So don't worry about, oh, I'm going to a game on August 4th, and I'm hoping that they win, and if they just give up, I'm going to really be mad. No, they're not giving up. They're actually – I would much rather see a young pitcher getting shelled in August Mm -hmm. than seeing all these – old veterans run out there and them realizing that they got hot for three weeks and it was only because it's regression to the mean because they were so uh, freaking putrid couple, for the first three months of the season. couple of responses. One, um, everything I've said is 100% right. And well, nothing you, if you disagree with any of that, you're wrong. Well, Seriously, and I, you're going to get pounded thank by you, me. If you thank, you for o- thank you for opening up the conversation. <laughs> by the way, am I allowed to, uh, do I have your permission? And other Cub fans uh, to root for the team to go eighty-two and eighty, yes, even, yeah, and even though we don't have the veteran players around. I just want to make yeah, yeah, sure yeah, it's okay coach, for no, us. No, no, coach, don't get me wrong. I'm rooting for the Cubs okay. every single game. Don't get me sure. wrong there. 
Okay. You didn't hear me say that. I okay. said that in the, my I, whole I, I, I say that half kidding. I just wanted to make sure we had permission for them to do that. Um, yeah. let me, well, I'll play devil's advocate for just a bit. And again, uh, Cub fans, 847-470-1114, our temporary number here. Two guys at a mic, Chicago Cub longtime passionate fan, Joel Redwanski, on the line with us. Uh, there, uh, the future is never guaranteed. The future no, is no, never guaranteed. So you could say, well, you know, things are going good now. We got a chance. We're not going to win the pennant. We're not going to win the World Series, but we got a chance to finish and have a heck of a last two and a half months. We're going to trade away the players for some, you know, prospects. Well, you know, who knows? Garson Dempster could pitch another five, six years and do fine, and those prospects may or may not. The future is never guaranteed. Live for today and deal with each season unto its own. And as an addendum to that, big dog, you keep saying, you know, the Cubs can get a freaking bonanza. Really? For Dempster or Garza, teams are going to give away three or four of their great young players. Absolutely. I think I think we're over exaggerating that. Absolutely. Right now, Ryan Dempster has a one point eight zero ERA, which is what best in baseball. That's fine, but the Yankees aren't going to give up three or four top line. Easily, they will. No, you're right. They, they you're right. Maybe four or five, considering that there's only five teams that will be giving away talent, and there's twenty five teams looking yeah. for them. You have to think about this right. And you, if you talk about futures not guaranteed, you're exactly right. The future isn't guaranteed because Ryan Dempster is a free agent at this at the end of this year, and he can choose to go wherever he likes. And who's to say that the Cubs are going to even offer him a contract, Coach? So I'm really glad yeah. glad you brought up Which that brings point up, about the future not being guaranteed. It brings and up another listen, aspect. Who's to, say, who's to say that the prospects that they trade for won't be better than the guys that they give away, anyways? Well, right. Like I said, it's chance, and the future is not guaranteed, but you're going to break up a winning formula if, in fact, they a continue to win. Coach, a winning formula. <laughs> Let me remind everybody out there that this winning formula is still at least 16 games below 500 at yes, this point. I've, I've, I've gotten clouded a little bit by the 12 out of 16, I will admit. <laughs> uh, but, but what you mentioned, too, brings up another aspect of it that bothers me, and I think it bothers you a little bit, and I guess we have to accept it, but the whole borrowed players at the end of July. You know, here are the Yankees or the Red Sox, not the Red Sox, but, you know, Tampa Bay or wherever it might be, that the Dodgers. That doesn't bother me at all. That doesn't bother me Well, it bothers me that, 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 that teams at the last, you know, for the final month or two can borrow a player, and that player probably is not going to play with them next year. And all of a sudden, you know, you're adding players. It's the beauty of the game, No, coach. it's not the beauty of the game. It's yes, the it's ugly. It's the, the reality, the but it's the uh-huh. ugly of the game. It's just it's, it's, teams have decisions to make. Beauty of the, the game. Yankees of the, the Yankees of the world have to decide whether or not to trade their prospects to yeah. the weaker teams of the world. It evens out the game of baseball. Yeah. Yes, it does. It evens out the game of baseball. It's it's the trade deadline stuff is so beautiful in the game because you have GMs that have to decide: should I go for it? Should I actually trade our future to a team that's having a bad year in order to risk going for it this mm-hmm. year? And those teams that are down be like. Good. Now we're closer next year. It even so many times trades have made a difference in yeah. teams that were real bad getting good in a hurry. Okay, yeah. so you can say what you will. It's actually a really cool thing, and you're the Mister. Hey, I'm for the little guy. Well, you know what? The Pittsburghs and the Kansas Cities of the world, if they took more advantage of this in the past and traded a little bit more effectively, mm-hmm. they would win more often. Yeah, and talk- then you see, you see teams like like the Brewers. You know, who were, you know, they seem to do it right every year. Either they trade away talent and next year these guys end up being awesome 
or they make a great move and they trade away all this future talent, like the teams like the Indians, and then all of a sudden the Indians have a better year the next year because of it, and then they get guys like CC Sabathia, who end up having a great year and make them to the take them to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's the beauty of baseball, coach. Here you you talk a good game. You're a heck of a salesman for an ugly part of the game. The trade deadline. Only you could paint a pretty picture and make it almost seem alluring. You did a heck of a job, but it's still the trade deadline. It's still players playing for a team for a month and a half or a couple of months. It goes very adverse to everything I think about competitive sports. So I, I still don't like it, even though your argument, I have to admit, was quite eloquent. So you should just do away with trades in baseball? Uh, no. I, back in the day, trades were pretty cool. I enjoyed that. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, back in the day. Yes. When it was just done exactly the same way it's done now. No. Absolutely not. Teams did it's not borrow be- players for the stretch run. Oh, you're be- Oh, my God, are you wrong. They have been doing this for before you were born, Coach. No. Nope. Sorry. Uh, well, okay. When did this start then? When did, when did you start? Because as soon as you name a player, I'm going to back it up about 50 years. Well, I mean, I, I big dog. When did, when, did, when did it start? They start trading players at the trade deadline. Well, I know it's through my... On, it's been going on since Veda Pinson was traded. It's been going on forever, what? Coach. The Reds traded Veda Pinson? He was traded to the Reds, ah. Coach. I love Veda Pinson. I thought he was originally a Cincinnati Red. I don't know. I, I, I brought the wrong name. I'm thinking of another African-American pitcher that was traded at the trade deadline. Yeah, that made somebody a fortune. Veda Pinson was a right fielder. You're not talking about from the Reds. I can't Think remember. Think of an African-American pitcher for the Reds that they traded for. That would like put them over the top one year. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the trade deadline trades have been going on forever. 1979, the Pirates wouldn't have won it, and the Pirates, the last time they won a World Series championship, you know what they did? They traded for Burke Bylevin. If it wasn't for Burke Bylevin, they don't win the World Series. Okay, that was 33 years ago. I can keep on backing it up. I can, if you start naming every World Series winner, they probably had a trade deadline deal. Mm-hmm. And we're going for years that this has happened, coach. Mm-hmm. How many times did the Yankees and the, and the Kansas City Athletics Trade players at the trade deadline. I respect your historical content, but it, it uh, absolutely was not nearly as prevalent. wasn't talked about hardly at all when I say back in the day, uh, you know, twenty years ago or yeah, maybe thirty years ago. 30 Twenty years twenty-five ago. years. It's become I, much, I just, much more prevalent. The last fifteen. Eleven in, in seventy-nine. Okay, so you think about. Uh, I'll think of players that were, were traded at the deadline for these. Uh, for mm-hmm. players, there's always players traded at the at the trade deadline. Yeah, that make maybe one. I'm telling you, when I was following baseball as a young kid, 10, 15, 20, 23, they did not have this kind of activity. Uh, and yes, teams, they did. No, yes, they did. No. You know what that is? That yeah. is so wrong. Back when you were a kid, before Kurt Flood and the whole uh, restrictive uh, uh, the, the stuff, when the the restrictive clause mm-hmm. was going on, coach players moved around just as much as today. But no, then the play- Yes, they did. Joel. Yes, they did. Coach, coach, they didn't move around in free agency, but trades were in, there were just as many trades in the 1950s as there are today. There just wasn't free agency. So oh. yes, players didn't move around in terms of free agency because they were stuck with the restrictive clause. But 80 percent of the trades, just as many trades, 80 percent of those trades were in the off season. So you started the season with your new players, and I remember it was kind of cool. There was not as many trades, so when a trade happened, it was kind of unique. And it wasn't a. It, they weren't. They they rarely traded for uh, free. You know, free uh, minor leaguers. Usually, it was you know players you knew for players you knew. It was kind of cool because your Pittsburgh Pirate team was almost always your Pittsburgh Pirate team. Ooh, 
they picked up a new player. I can still remember that feeling. It was different. It was unique. Now it's commonplace. And there clearly was not as many trades done during the season as there is now. Yeah, well, no, quite honestly, there, there was, there's free agency now. So that's why there's so much movement. There aren't any more. You know, I, I read a great article about this like four years ago in Baseball Perspective. People say, oh, there's the baseball's so different. The only thing different about baseball is free agency. Back then, owners would, would trade people at will. There was just as many trades 50 years ago as there are today, Coach, in the game of baseball. Uh, you, if you look up BaseballReference.com and you just go to any average, if you go to a team's transactions during any year, like the 50s or 60s, you'll see just as many trades as there are today. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll, I'll hesitantly take your word for it. Hesitantly. Uh Big Dog, before we let you go, I got uh, on a lighter note. Can I go to a lighter note here? Well, I, I thought baseball trade is about as light as you get. Who really cares about uh, guys getting traded to cities? On occasion, we have mentioned, uh, you know, there's conventions. That Chicago is certainly one of the top convention capitals of the uh, of the United States, if not the world. And we, we've mentioned in the past some of the more uh, absurd and, and humorous-type conventions. I mean, it's amazing. There's a convention for everything. I cut this out of the Chicago Crane newspaper. You might want to mark this on your calendar. I don't know if you're busy or not. September 18th to 20th. And maybe the uh, kayaks will be out there. I'm sure this will be fun. The Plastic Cap and Closure Show is at the Marriott Lincolnshire Resort, Chicago. So there is a convention. A convention. Strictly for people that sell plastic caps and closures. How's that for a good time? Uh, I'm not exactly sure. So is that like Tupperware uh, or like showerware? <laughs> no. It, 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 more specifically, it's like pill bottles, prescription bottles. Yeah. If you've noticed, they change those every couple of years and they get newfangled ones. That's- Boy, I'll bet you that would be that. that- a heck of an entertaining convention, Big Dog, and I will bet you the lid and cap container people, I'll bet you they party like none other. Yeah, now, David Olson, you seem to know a lot about this particular uh, subject. Just <laughs> just wondering, is it like phones where they have like five phone technologies already done and made, but they don't want to go to the fifth one because they have to make sure they sell one, two, three, and four beforehand? So like they have like five plastic caps ahead of time. But they still have to do one, two, three, and four because they have they've already paid for a patent and they have to sell it like that. I'm not privy to that information. Okay. All I know is my you. wife works with pill bottles and they always have a newfangled one about every six months. Uh and you're not privy to that information. I think you're trying to say you don't want to let the cat out of the bag is what that yeah, means. Yeah, that's right. That's All right. right. I'm gonna I'm gonna corner the market and I'm by gonna, investing in these companies. I'm gonna apply for a uh, ticket to the cap and in, enclosures in, in convention and I'll let you know. Uh can I give you a couple politically incorrect jokes to leave the show, Big Dog? I feel like we need to lighten things up. Oh yeah, no, it's too bad you I can tell you some politically incorrect stuff that I saw. You know what, just let you, you can tell me, but I, I gotta tell you on Friday. I actually went to Friday Night Fights here in the city boxing uh-huh. at the UIC Pavilion on ESPN, and I had an absolutely unbelievably great time watching professional cool. boxing in the city. Cool. And just let you know, a Polish guy fought. I've there never... There 10,000 Polacks in the crowd <laughs> screaming, on the Fonfara. Oh, my goodness, it was a good time. Though. <laughs> well, it was a good I'm time. sorry you brought that up now. We need, we need to discuss that further tomorrow. I've never been to a live boxing match. Always wanted to, but... Um... Coach, if you have, here's the best way I can tell you. This is no joke. The advertising that was rolling on the screen, 
it would be the Palmer House by Hilton. The average cost of a room is there is probably about $400 a night if Hello. you don't get it on discount. Hello. And then right afterwards, they would have an energy drink. I'm telling you, you saw billionaires walking and and talking to guys that looked like they were worth 17 cents. I've never seen such a collection of ragtags and billionaires ever <laughs> in a room, ever in my life. It was, I mean, it was really an interesting I thing like to that. see. That's, that sounds like I'm going to save the politically incorrect jokes for tomorrow. That sounds like Bourbon Street. In New Orleans, I always enjoyed walking down that street because you'd be walking hand in hand with the upper crust of society, and then right next to them is the absolute, uh, you know, dredge of society. I always enjoy that contrast. Yeah, very good, very good. Yeah, yeah. One, one have said that many times about you and me, Big Dog. Uh, please, I need to politically incorrect <laughs> jokes tomorrow. All right, dog. Have a great day. Uh, enjoy. Hopefully, you got a day off a hard week on the river, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. No, okay? no. I'll, I, I, what? I have. I'm going to end up working probably 30 days That's in a row. Inexcusable. Inexcusable. We appreciate your volunteering your time. Thank you very much, everyone. <laughs> have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Ten o'clock. We do it all over again. Don't be late. The best stuff is at the start.